Welcome back to another episode of the Ozone Podcast, the voice of Magic fans. In the virtual studio today, we have Justin. Yo. Al. What's going on? Myself, Anthony, and a very special guest joining us from ESPN Orlando 580 and the voice of Lakeland Magic, Nikki Football. Hey, guys, how you doing? Good, good. How's it going? It's going good, good. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. Yeah, yeah, for sure. We're excited to have you on and, and talk a little bit of you know, Lakeland Magic and everything you got going on. But before we do that, Nikki, how have you been doing during this uh, coronavirus quarantine that we have going on? I've been doing good. Just trying to, to stay sane, just like everybody else. Uh, fortunately for me, I've I've been an essential employee at work. So we've been on the air every day, five days a week, kind of chronicling what this has done to sports. So I think of, of anybody, my life has probably changed the least because it's been Monday through Friday at work. And the only difference is, um, you know, what you're doing on the weekend. So, I mean, it's, it's been, it's been different. That's for sure. But uh, at least I've had, I've had work to kind of lean on. Um, obviously the dynamics are a lot different, but are you at least enjoying being able to work from home or are you still going into the office and, and recording that way? Oh no. Like I've still been, I've still been going to the office. Um, we've wow. been in okay. the studio. Yeah. We, uh, um, over it. So Cox media group is, uh, is the, the parent company of ESPN 580. And what they did was they emptied out the entire sales half of our company. So they've all been working from home and then went to only in, uh, essential on air personality. That's been either at the studio or if you can work from home, they figured it out. But, uh, uh, because of my role on two different shows and uh, my role more as a producer with Scott Inez, um, I, I've been going in every day. So really, like nothing, not much has really changed for me. It's been my normal, uh, you know, noon, one o'clock until eight, nine o'clock at night shift. Wow. So, so staying busy despite all the, all the craziness that's going on. Let's go into uh, letting the listeners get to know you a little bit better. I know, again, we, we know you a bit from listening on ESPN 580 and, and on the Lakeland Magic Games. But let's talk about how you got into sports broadcasting. Oh, wow. Sure. Um, yeah, I went to the University of South Florida uh, down in Tampa, uh, got there, and I really wanted to be a newspaper reporter because I was about 20 years late to what I thought my calling was. But uh, so I, I got into uh, the sports media side of things there and realized that they had a, a student radio station and kind of fell in love with that place and was broadcasting the games there in Tampa, um, football, basketball, baseball, and really loved that. Left USF, and fortunately, uh, I graduated in May of 2013, and they had launched ESPN 580 in November of 2012, and they needed an overnight board op, and uh, that's where I started. I was I was producing, like, Yankee basketball games or baseball games out on the West Coast, and, you know, there until 2, 3 o'clock in the morning and kind of worked my way up, and uh, when Lakeland moved down to get to the magic side of this, uh, I'd been working as a, uh, a magic radio producer, cutting highlights for the team as part of our affiliation with the magic when it was with ESPN 580 prior to the switch a few years ago, and uh, was was just positioned, had the, the experience necessary, and uh, fortunately, Shelly Wilkes, who's the president of the team, took a chance on me and and allowed me to get the opportunity to call the games. So that's that's kind of it in a nutshell, at least how I ended up in Lakeland. 
So you graduating from USF automatically makes you a diehard UCF knight, right? <laughs> it's right? been it's it's yeah. been different being behind enemy lines. This uh, this I've been here seven years now. It's been it's been different, but uh, I've I've enjoyed their success because uh, it's it's I can't even defend it anymore. I can't even debate it. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, uh, Nikki, what were, what were your favorite sports? Obviously you get the, the, the nickname Nikki football. Um, I was always curious, why not Nikki basketball? I feel like there's, there's a lot of influence on your side in, in the basketball world as well. Um, so favorite sports and then favorite team growing up and then kind of how you decided that nickname. Sure. Um, well, you got to ask Scott Inez about that. Scott Inez is the nickname guy at ESPN 580. So <laughs> when I when I started there, he came up with the Nikki football nickname. Um, I always joke it's because I thought he thought I was going to be there 15 minutes and didn't want to learn my name. So uh, he came up with the name. <laughs> um, I've always been a big basketball fan. I grew up in Chicago uh, during the 90s. So this last dance documentary that's been on has been a ton of fun for me reliving a lot of it. Um, so I've always been more of a hoop head. But uh, it's basketball and then it's football for me. I'm, I'm an NFL fan probably after that. And then a college football fan after that. And, uh, with, with my job after basketball and football, whatever is kind of left, I watch a little baseball maybe or something, but, uh, I like golf too. I, we, I do a golf show on the weekends at ESPN 580 and, and golf is definitely, uh, you know, a, a nice pastime for me to, to pass some time. That's awesome. Now, Nick, how about, I know something new you're starting to do uh, recently is the Down the Road Lakeland Magic Podcast. Um, that's been really fun to listen to um, the, the past few weeks here. How did that come about? Yeah, that's that's been something new. Um, yeah, so I, I think that during this, this COVID-19 pandemic, there's been just a need for content. And uh, Shelly Wilkes and Aaron Hayes, who's our game day uh, uh, operations director at, at Lakeland, and Dante Marcatelli, who's the broadcasting director over there, who's a great guy. Uh, kind of, we all got together and they said, "Hey, would you be interested in doing this?" And uh, I've always wanted to do kind of a longer form sit down with these guys uh, and get to know them a little bit better because I think we're all so familiar with the path that the guys in the NBA take, right? I mean, we watch them in high school and then either they go to college or they go overseas for a year and their lives are so well chronicled. But the guys that are in the G League, it's, you know, I, I just wrapped a an episode with John Petroselli who played two years with Lakeland that's going to drop uh, on Monday. And, you know, those guys, it, it's, you know, no scholarship offers for some of them. He went to D2 Malloy College. He was an inactive player for Erie and then, plays two great seasons in Lakeland and gets a big deal overseas in Israel this past year. And that's really intriguing. Um, and I've always been somewhat obsessed with the idea of having to debate, do I, I want to play near home and do I want to go overseas and play in a completely different time zone halfway across the world? So uh, the stories you hear have been great. Uh, they've been a lot of fun um, from underground basement basketball, three on three leagues that guys are playing in right now to, um, you know, playing for 1500 bucks every two months or something. So uh, really it's just been the need for content and, and my desire to kind of get to know the guys better because I'm a game day employee. So I go in on game day and that's it and get a chance to get to know them, but you're not around the team quite enough for me. So I think it's interesting that <clears throat> you bring that up because we've had some uh, G league Lakeland guys on our podcast, Josh Majette, Vic law. And those are two guys that at least from speaking with, it feels like, they really benefited from all of their experience, but being called up to play for the Magic has been very beneficial for their development. 
Um, who are some guys that that you think have benefited the most currently on that Lakeland team from from possibly having exposure elsewhere? Oh wow! Um, in terms of call ups, um, I, I think that Emil Jefferson comes to mind immediately. Um, Emil is kind of he's an interesting story. I mean, I think that if you ask the the average college basketball fan or NBA fan who's played the most games in a Duke Blue Devils uniform. They wouldn't tell you it's Emil Jefferson, but that's who it is. That guy played five years at Duke for Shevsky, and uh, he's he's kind of a he's kind of a tweener, you know. Like, what what position is he at the next level? Can he shoot it well enough? He's gotten much better. I think there's NBA, so uh, he's one that definitely comes to mind um, over the years in terms of a call up that I think you know is really has really, uh, you know, benefited. And, and, and how could I leave my guy? I'm, I mean, I'm the president of the Ken Birch fan club. So my guy, Ken Birch, who they found overseas, I, I love that dude. Um, so I think Ken is another one who is, has found a sticking point in the league somewhere. He's going to be kind of, I think, that Dwayne Dedman-esque guy to go a little further back in Magic history where either he'll stay in Orlando and become a great utility guy or someone will be dying to give him a contract to kind of be on the middle to end of a bench and and – and be a good culture, good hard-nosed guy. I feel like the Magic really utilized Lakeland Magic pretty well because they, they from development to calling players up, they seem to look there um, first before really trying to add, you know, just anyone to the roster because they're really more familiar with the play settings, the coaching style, the whole night because they try to keep it similar. Um, now, there there is a lot of mystery around a player like Chumo Kiki who has spent so much time already with Lakeland. Um, what have you seen? What have you heard? Is there really any information you can give us about this guy? Um, there's, there's, there's a little bit. I mean, I, I've gotten a chance to see Chuma kind of go through walkthroughs with the team um, on game days and stuff. You're right. I mean, there's definitely a lot of mystery around the guy. What kind of a player is he? How is he going to fit? Um, he's, he's really kind of worked on his jumper. Um, he's, he's been working on shooting really what I've seen because it's been a lot of stationary stuff because of the knee injury. So, uh, I don't have a ton of information for you. Honestly, uh, I do know that in Lakeland, they're very high in the guy, his work ethic, his attitude, especially good organizational, good team guy. Um, but he definitely has been working on that jumper, uh, to, to, to kind of help the range a little bit. I think that's, that's one thing they were working on, but uh, the last time that I saw him when the league got postponed, he's still working back from the knee injury and, and getting into some, uh, what was he running? I'm trying to remember. Um, the last home game we did, that's right. Now that I, now that I remember, um, cause it was about seven weeks ago, he was starting to do non-contract, non-contact full, full court. So, uh, we were, we were doing our last home game and, uh, I had to walk across the court in order to go get something for the broadcast and did not realize he was running full court. He almost ran me right over. So he's, he's getting up to speed, um, but he wasn't doing full contact yet. So I know he's working towards that. That's all I can really say. They've, been, they've kept him under wraps for sure. That's exciting to hear because, again, like you mentioned, there's a lot of mystery around Chuma, who he is, and, and who will be uh, here in Orlando when he finally arrives. Um, so we're, we're excited for sure to, to see him come to the team and, and join the guys on, on the Magic side. Um, now, Nick, what about when it comes to the current roster in Lakeland? Um, who is one player that you think has the highest ceiling on that team? Well, highest ceiling on that team. That's a really good question. Um, I would have to go. I'm not going to count Emil because he spent most of the year with the NBA team before the trade deadline. Um, and I already gave him as an answer. So 
Uh, you guys have spoken with Vic Law. I know the organization loves Vic Law. I think that if he can build up his lower body a little bit more uh, and, and condition himself, I think, to take the daily and nightly pounding of an NBA schedule, uh, Vic is a really smart player. You guys have talked to him. He's a real intelligent guy. I, I love his game. Um, so he's a guy that would come to mind. And the other one, I'm going to go with the two two-way players, so it's kind of unfair. Uh, B.J. Johnson is going to figure it out at some point in time here, and I, I think he's going to be one of those, you know, Kendrick Nunn type of stories. The three-point shooting has really improved over the last two years. Defensively, he's very gifted, and, uh, you know, I, I, I like him a lot. I think that B.J. is the kind of guy where he's had a couple of 10 days. He's had that taste of the next level, and uh, and he's going to get there. I, I Those are the two guys that definitely come to mind. Um, we're, we're a big fan of B.J. Johnson. Um, the, the big game that we called him over to and he, he kind of filled in for the L.A. is it mm-hmm. was really my first exposure of him. And yeah, he knocked it out of the water, you know, his because he's very he's very long. He's a big player for his size um, in his position. So we all the players that you mentioned, we're we're big fans of and we're definitely rooting for them. And we feel like they they can definitely carve out a role for themselves and path into the NBA for sure. Um, Nikki, let me ask you, because there's been a lot of talks around, um, and this may have happened maybe a month or so, but there's a lot of talks about rumors um, intertwining Golden State and Aaron Gordon, kind of trading for a first-round pick, um, first pick in the draft, whatever the case may be. One, do you feel as if that's enticing, that's a good move for the team that we have now? And two, do you feel like that's even a realistic option? Uh, I'll start with the second point. I don't buy that rumor at all. I don't think it's realistic for Aaron Gordon, who is um, who's who's an extremely gifted athlete who had who was playing probably the best month of his season when the year got you know when the season got postponed. He went on a great run there. Um, but Aaron Gordon is still kind of I think everyone sees the slashing playmaking ability and they think that would fit with Golden State and it might, but I don't think that. Golden State would give up the cost-controlled side of a number one pick. I mean, you get a guy like, you know, an Anthony Edwards or whoever, you know, LaMelo Ball or someone, um, you know, at that number one pick, cost-controlled side of things. For an Aaron Gordon, who's, you know, the deal is a very tradable deal, but, you know, he's going to get paid $17, $16 million next year. I just don't see that for Golden State. Now, you know, if it's a fifth pick, sixth pick, seventh pick, you work your way into the top ten, maybe it makes more sense. And I think it's a trade that would make sense for Orlando. Um, I, I think that if Jonathan Isaac was healthy at the trade deadline, they would have moved Darren Gordon. And that's just me from the outside looking in where the team was, where Aaron was. Let's not forget Jeff Weltman and John Hammond didn't, they didn't draft Aaron Gordon. They signed him, but they signed him to a deal that uh, was very tradable. So I think that they, they communicated a lot there, but, uh, at some point, I think Aaron will be moved. Um, I just I don't think that it's for the number one pick in the draft. I think that's that's a little bit too sweet of a deal. One of the things you mentioned is, you know, when when the season kind of got suspended, it felt like AG was figuring it out. Um, he was balling on all aspects. His assists were up, rebounds were up, his points were up, and it felt like he wasn't really forcing anything. He kind of figured out his pace um, and understood what he could do well and what he couldn't. Um, and he passed out of bad situations, which, which felt like in the beginning of the season he was forcing a lot. Uh, do you think he, he did figure it out, or do you think it was just a flash in the pan? Because I, I feel like AJ has had these moments in the past where he's looked really good, and then he kind of reverts back to 
you know, the, the, the poor decision making that a lot of people talk about um, with him. So so what do you think? Do you think he's figured? Uh, I Justin, I mean, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Uh, <laughs> how many would this be for Aaron Gordon? Um, and I, I, I think that the ability is in there somewhere. It, it is. It's just about finding it. And I think it's mindset for him. I think that you you underlined it perfectly. When he plays inside of himself, when he lets the game kind of come to him at times, uh, I think that he has this desire to be kind of a 25, 26, 28 point a game night. You know, the the LeBron James of the Orlando Magic. When I would really like it if he said, okay, I'm, I'm going to be Draymond Green. I'm going to be the point forward that facilitates and, you know, get yours. You want to score, score, that's fine. But when he thinks about the pass first and defensively is the menace that he can be, I mean, his best skill is on the defensive side. That's where I think he is the best, the best version of himself. So um, if he realizes that he's not going to lead the team in scoring, but he'll lead the team in everything else, I think he'll figure it out. But I, I don't know if we're there yet. I, I've seen it too many times where he'll play 10, 12 good games. Yeah, you, you said it perfectly right. I think we, we've all seen that from AG, you know, those moments where he looks like a superstar, but like, hey, he's finally arrived, followed by two months of worse AG. So mm -hmm. I think it's going to be a, an interesting decision for the team to figure out what to do with him going forward. And again, this offseason, we'll say a lot about that. Um, now, another guy that we have to make a decision on this summer, maybe, maybe not, is uh, Evan Fournier. Um, he has a player option. If he chooses to decline that option, what do you think the Magic should do with him? Should they bring him back or should they let him walk? If he declines that option, the Magic should let him walk. Uh, now, with this current situation, I don't know how he walks away from $17 million a year with what losing whatever amount of money the NBA is going to lose is going to do to the salary cap. Because I was having a hard time finding $17 million a year out there for Aaron Gordon before the postponement of the season. And afterwards, uh, Evan Fournier, that is. Uh, and afterwards, I, I don't know whether or not he's going to find it. So I, I think he's going to opt in. Uh, let's just let's just say in, in a vacuum, if he had opted out and everything was the same before the postponement, I would have let him walk. I, I think that this team needs to start to turn over the roster a little bit. You can only commit yourself to so much of a near 500 team, you know, 42 and 40, 43 and 39, somewhere around there, whatever this team was going to end up being, maybe, you know, heck, maybe 40 and 42. Um, so I, I probably would have let him walk. And uh, Evan's been good for us, but you kind of needed – you have Chumo Kiki coming up. You have whoever the first-round pick was going to be this year coming up and some other players too. So uh, I would have let the – I would have kind of fleshed out the roster a little bit and let him go. So it feels like between AG, Vooch, and, and Evan, um, a lot of money is tied up, and it feels like those guys have been on this roster for quite some time. And, you know, we've kind of seen what the peak of them leading the roster looks like. Uh if you had to make a decision between all three of those guys on who stays, who goes, who would you keep? Wow. Um, can can Mo Bamba show me anything so I can't choose Nick Vucevic? That's kind of the thing is, wow. <laughs> um, I'd probably pick Nick Vucevic. He's the most consistent offensive player in the regular season for this team. Defensively, he's gotten better since Steve Clifford got to town. Um, and when they reopened the facility, this may feel like a small thing, but who was the first guy in the building? It was Nick Vucevic. I, the guy has, has really stepped up into that kind of team leader role a bit. Uh, we've talked about Aaron Gordon's inconsistencies. Um, Evan Fournier is a warrior. Like I, I feel like he's kind of vilified by the fan base. 
Uh, he's usually guarding one of the best players on the other team and has hit a lot of big shots for us. But um, though everyone says we have all of these forwards, all these big men, um, with Jonathan Isaac dealing with injuries two of his first three seasons, Aaron Gordon's inconsistency, Mo Bamba has not gotten a ton of minutes. Um, Nick Vucevic is really the only big guy you have that you can count on night in and night out. So I'd probably go with Nick Vucevic. Because we have an argument. So we have a group text that we kind of talk magic basketball all the time on. And it feels like every time Vooch is on the court, yes, he is one of those guys who you could count on for for a bucket. Um, but it does feel like he slows the game down a lot. And with guys like Markel, J.I., T. Ross, like you think you would think that the pace would be faster. A.G., those are all guys that could run and jump out of the gym. So it's like I think you're kind of stuck between do you stick to the half-court game and rely on Vooch because he's been an all-star and gotten you to the playoffs, or do you kind of flip the page and – try to push the pace and, 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 you know, kind of give it up to someone else like Mo Bamba. Yeah. I, I just don't know if this team has enough shooting to do the pace and space that everyone wants them to do. You know what I mean? At, at, at one point in time this year, Aaron Gordon was shooting 29% from three. Uh, your only big shooters were Evan Fournier and Terrence Ross. Um, and now th- that's an interesting thought. Now, do you, you know, if you ha- don't have Vooch on the floor, can you get some easier buckets just by trying to run teams off the floor? Everyone's doing that now though. So I, I think the one thing that you do have is that kind of one in four out kind of mentality with Nick Vucevic and he can even spread the floor. So, um, while I agree, it definitely slows things down until Markel Fultz shows that he can really take a game over. I think you have to stick with Nick Vucevic. But uh, you're, you're definitely right there in terms of the style of play. It's those things down. Now, Nick, you bring up Markel's false name. Now, he was a complete surprise to all Magic fans. We all wanted him to succeed, obviously, in Orlando and to do well. But to see him starting, you know, right in November and, and to see what he's done in only six months of action, um, you know, brings up a question that we've debated in the past also. Going forward, you know, if you have to pick one to kind of build around, Jonathan Isaac, Markel Fultz, who's that young piece that both free agents next year, but who do you build around if you have to be, you know, in the front office for the Magic? I can only pick one? You can only pick one. Wow, that's a great question. Um, wow. Um, I would... I'm I, I'm a big Jonathan Isaac fan. I, I love Jonathan Isaac. Um, I wanted them to take him where they took him, and they did. And uh, I, I think I would go with Markel Fultz, though. Uh, he has the pedigree. He's the number one pick. Um, you stole him from Philadelphia. Completely. Um, and, and other than the shoulder injury, which is kind of like saying other than that huge iceberg sitting out there for the Titanic, um, other than that shoulder injury – uh, the guy has has performed at every level he's been expected to. So I guess if I had to prioritize one, I would prioritize Markel Fultz because he's also the guy that you're going to run your entire offense through. Um, but those two guys to your core moving forward, it's Fultz, it's Isaac, and to a lesser extent, it's, it's Vucevic. But um, I thought the team panicked when they moved Fultz into the starting lineup at the beginning of the year. I still remember doing that show and – um, I don't necessarily – I've not necessarily changed my mind because DJ Augustine has been so good for that team, um, and I hope they can bring him back too. There's another free agent that's coming up here. I like DJ Augustine. Um, 
but he has held up to the night in, night out. He's played more games this year than he ever has, of course. Uh, I'm very impressed with him. And when we talked to him on media day, uh, he seemed like someone who was just kind of at peace and finally comfortable. I think getting him out of Philadelphia was was monumental for his career. Now, let, let me ask you, Nikki, because this is something recently that ESPN just um, posted out, and it was listing the Magic all-time starting five. Yeah. They listed T-Mac, Penny, Nick, Dwight, and Shaq. And I'll be honest with you, I was a little surprised with the Nick Anderson plug-in. I'm a Nick Anderson fan, but do you agree with that starting five, or would you? who would you switch out? That starting five is cheating. Um, it's not. It's not even close. Um, ESPN had a lot of fun with that. Um, being the company man that I am, uh, we all need content right now. I get it. Uh, you can't have. I don't mind the Nick Anderson at the two. Um, now you can really play around with this. Scott and Ez and I did. I think on Friday's show, our Thursday show, talking about it. Um, you can play around with it and kind of put anyone at the two there that you want. But I think Nick Anderson being the first draft pick in franchise history uh where he sits kind of in his position in franchise history the steal of michael jordan in 95 we just got done watching that um and his position with the organization now like i've, I've talked to nick and met nick many times I, I love nick i put him on this team um what the problem i actually have is is at the four or five dwight is not a power forward you can't just you can't look at the top five win share guys and say okay one two three four five look i've got two big guys you know two four two forwards and a point guard it doesn't work that way the fun about doing a team like this and i think this is where espn missed it is the debate do you pick Shaq or do you pick dwight at the five and then you look at magic history when it comes to power forwards the best power forward pure power forward is probably uh horace grant but you know i can take kind of a hito turkoglu if you want to slide him down and get creative or richard lewis um, but you have to pick between Dwight and Shaq. That's what you have to do with this team. And ESPN didn't want to do it. I thought that they kind of ran from that, and I was disappointed. Would, would a Shaq and Dwight um, duel, you don't think that because there's so much small ball that that would kind of work in essence? Because when Dwight Howard first came into the NBA, he, start, he started off as a power four. They played him in the four position a little while. Yeah, they did, but that was because they had Calvin Cato on the team, and he was a pure center. And they thought with Shaq, uh, with with Dwight being kind of, you know, he was still he was still a baby at that point in time. He was eighteen, nineteen, had kind of a smaller frame. Um, the Dwight Howard that you know was the three times Defensive Player of the Year that made all those All Star games. Dwight Howard's a center. Um, ever since the first two years of his career, he's been a big man in the middle. Um, I don't think his game is refined enough offensively for him to be a power forward in today's league. Um, you know, that's kind of like, think about the game that Aaron Gordon has versus the game that Dwight Howard has. Dwight has just never even had that 18 foot Tim Duncan jumper. Um, so I, I don't think he could make it today. Now you could bully teams. Um, but I think those teams would also run you off the floor um, with, with, with a Dwight Shaq uh, uh, front court. Yeah, it's really interesting. I, I agree. I think, I mean, defensively, undoubtedly, they cause problems because they clog up the paint. You weren't going to score in there. Um, but if a team decided to run, obviously, Orlando would be pay playing a three on five at, yeah, <laughs> at yeah. that point. Defensively, like Dwight would have to go out to the perimeter. So, I mean, all you would need then is you would just need a switch and then someone would be going right by Dwight. So I, I don't I don't think that that necessarily would work. Um and I think if you're doing the team, um, I think the team is is Penny, Nick Anderson. I think it's uh, Tracy McGrady. 
I put Horace Grant at the four, but like I said, we could debate that. And Dwight Howard's my center. I think you take Dwight over Shaq. Uh, Dwight played with the organization longer. The way I did this was who had the better career in a Magic uniform? Dwight was there longer. Dwight was a three-time defensive player of the year. I don't think Shaq ever won defensive player of the year, um, with the Magic at least. Uh, he scored more points in franchise history, played more games, and took the team to the finals, just like Shaq did. So Dwight would be the center for this team for me over Shaq, um, even though Shaq is the better had the better career as an NBA player. So, Nick, one of the super interesting questions that I had for you is, if you were the GM of the Magic for one day, uh, what would be your top priorities and uh, some of your first moves? Uh, cashing that check. It's <laughs> a smart move. Um, yeah, make sure. Make sure you get the check first, <laughs> up front. Um, what would be my first priority um, for this team? Wow, that's a really good question. Um, this, I, it, you have to start the list with shooting. Um, you know, if we're headed into free agency or into the draft, um, my number one priority at the top of the, uh, the Patricio Garino whiteboard uh, would have to be shooting. Um, shoot, shoot, and more shooting because we just don't have enough of it. And if that means um, moving someone like an Aaron Gordon in a deal to move up in the draft so you can get the best shooter or uh, going out in free agency and trying to find the room to get some shooting, that's, that's what this team needs. Um, I think that you have guys right now that are, are – pretty locked into some of their roles. Like, you know, that Vooch is your center and you know that Jonathan Isaac is, is likely the future at the power forward position. And Terrence Ross, I really like as a sixth man. I don't think that he, you know, I, I think that you lose a little with him starting. So after that, and I know Markel Fultz is my, my point guard. So between the two and the three position, if Aaron Gordon stays, I need him to be a better shooter or I need to go out and find a little bit more shooting. That would be my number one priority um, and I think the last few years, this team has tried to fix it. They wanted Trey Young instead of Mo Bamba. Unfortunately, you know, Dallas and Atlanta got that deal done and, and Trey Young ended up in, in Atlanta. And I think this team wanted Tyler Hero in the draft before they took Chumo Kiki and Miami smartly took them. And that guy's a sniper. So uh, can you find the shooting where you are in the draft or can you go out in free agency and you're going to have to pay a premium for it and find the room to do it? I feel that's just been the history or let's say our luck in the NBA draft. We're always one draft pick, two draft picks shy of getting our guy and whatnot. Um, but Nikki, let's let's get into a segment that we call In the Ozone uh, with Nikki Football. Pretty simple. Ask you some rep, rapid fire questions and then we just get your responses. So first one, cool. favorite current Magic player? Favorite current Magic player uh, is Jonathan Isaac. Uh, I, I love the Freddy Krueger of basketball. He's just arms, arms, and more arms, and he does a lot of special stuff. Perfect. Uh, favorite Magic team of all time? Wow. Favorite Magic team of all time. So I grew up a Bulls fan, so I'm kind of at a disadvantage here. Um, my favorite team was probably... Uh, the two thousand. I probably put the 09 finals team up there or that kind of, and I was a big JJ Reddick fan when he was a Duke. So kind of the, the Dwight Richard Lewis, JJ Reddick kind of era of guys. I I'd probably put that era of basketball. Stan Van Gundy's on the show with us every week, every week. So I'm, I'm a big fan of Stan. You spoke about kind of growing up in Chicago a little bit. So I do have to make you choose LeBron. Jordan. Jordan, 12 out of 10 times, um, the guy is just an absolute assassin. Um, and LeBron's very talented, too. He's probably 
just as gifted basketball wise, but I think that mentality really is the difference. Uh, but I take Jordan. And then one player who you feel their time is up in Orlando. One player who I feel their time is up in Orlando. Um, yeah, I'd probably have to go with, uh, with, with Evan Fournier, eh, Evan Fournier, Aaron Gordon, which one do I want to choose here? Um, probably Evan Fournier. Uh, I think he's come to the end of the deal here. Uh, it's the kind of situation where at some point there'll be more money out there for him. Uh, he's earned that money. Uh, and just Orlando's in a situation where you can't continue to to commit to to the same guys time and time again. It's the definition of insanity. You got to go looking for some talent. Nick, you're breaking my heart. You're breaking my heart. Evan Fournier right. is <clears throat> one of my favorite players. Uh, and I'd love to see him stay, but I do feel like there there is going to be a crossroad between how much money he's going to want to stay, how much Orlando's willing to pay. And obviously you want team success over anything. So I, I see your point. Um, and then lastly, if the season resumes at Disney, like they're, they're talking about possibly in July, what are your expectations uh, for, for this Magic team kind of closing out the season and going into the um, Well, I feel like everyone, I mean, there are kind of no expectations moving forward. It's just we want to see basketball. Um, if they play regular season games, I'm, I'm hoping upon hope you can get to that seven seed and avoid Milwaukee uh, and, and well then and get Toronto and those guys are really good too. Um, I don't, my, my expectation I think is just show a little bit more fight in the playoffs than you did last year, especially I'm going to watch Nick Vucevic uh, because either way you're going to go up against a tough, um, a, you know, kind of grinded out center, either Marcus Sol, we saw what happened last year with Toronto um, you know, or or Lopez or someone like that from Milwaukee. So I, I want to see Nick Vucevic show up in a playoff game and, and be the same guy in the regular season as he is in the postseason. And my expectation, I think, as well would be, uh, how does Markel Fultz act, you know, as in the bright lights there? Um, the fun thing about this is all these young guys played their AAU national championships at ESPN's Wide World of Sports. Yeah, so – Maybe there's a comfort level. Like, this is a young team, Jonathan Isaac and Mark. Maybe we have an advantage. I, 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 I wouldn't go that far, but maybe they're more comfortable. So you brought up uh, the possibility of Orlando having to play Milwaukee in the first round, and that's obviously scary for everyone, <laughs> even fans. But if Jonathan Isaac comes back, um, you, we, we all know that the front office is super safe and he probably won't. Uh, but if he does come back going into the playoffs and Orlando goes up against Milwaukee in that first round, how do you think J.I. can improve this team's chances against? Uh, he improves the chances just because defensively uh, he can make it's another body to throw at Giannis. It's another, you know, kind of long athletic, make it tough on him guy. Um, you know, but Milwaukee's a bag of hammers. Uh, they've got guys upon guys to just wear you down, uh, you know, and I think everyone makes it out like it's Giannis and a bunch of dudes. Um, you know, even when they're pulling like a Dante DiVincenzo off the bench, you know, that guy's really talented. And, you know, they've got both Lopez brothers and uh, Bledsoe, um, Middleton, who I think is a little underrated. Um what I, you know, I think what, what what Isaac could do is is kind of set the floor for you defensively, and then if you have a couple of good shooting nights, you may be able to steal the game or two, kind of like the series against Toronto last year. You know, you just you need somebody to uh, to play above their weight, uh, and and hope that Giannis hope that Giannis has a bad night. That's the kind of guy where you're just hoping he doesn't play well. 
Ma- Magic play against Milwaukee first round of the playoffs. What? How many games do the Magic win? I'm going to give them one game off the bat. Um, I think it's probably one. Uh, I think the Magic play. How many times did we play Milwaukee this year? Like once. Or, it wasn't good both times. I don't think it went that well. Yeah, I don't think it went well. Um, and I'm not sure if Giannis played in one of those games too. I believe he sat one of them. But yeah, okay, and it didn't go well, right? Yeah, I'll give it. I think it's one game, and it's just because they have so much, so much offense um, that you would need Terrence Ross and DJ Augustine to come off the bench and just shoot the lights out. Um, you know, the the parallels between this series and what the Toronto series was last year, I think, are, are very, very close. Nikki, thank you so much for joining us. It was really great talking Lakeland Magic and Orlando Magic basketball with you. Uh, We definitely look forward to listening to your shows on Live Local and Loud. So, again, thank you so much for joining us on this episode. And that was Quarantine with Nikki Football. Appreciate it, guys. Thank you. Always enjoy it. And uh, I'll talk to you guys soon. Thank you for listening to the Ozone Podcast, the voice of Magic fans. Be sure to visit our website, theozonepod.com. And remember to subscribe, rate, and leave a review on all your favorite podcast listening platforms.